Welcome to Sungha and Raz's Nutrition Perspectives. Come along with us as we explore diversity in dietetics. Welcome, guys. My name is Sungha. Uh, I'm going to let my lovely co-host and our guests introduce themselves. Hi, I'm Raz, and we're really looking forward to introducing one of our amazing guests. Um, so I feel like we're really lucky to have Eustena Pelka on the line, who is not only just a dear friend, but also a great dietetic mentor to me, especially in my early stages. But enough of me doing the talking. I think it would be great to hand over to you to introduce yourself. Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. Brilliant introduction, mind blown. So I'm Eustina. Obviously, I've been invited by you lovely people to this to this podcast. Uh, so I am from Poland and in the UK 16 years. Uh, currently, I live in Manchester and I've been a dietitian about six years now. So I've been in working in different sort of places uh, in the UK. I've graduated in London Met um, and then I've sort of migrated up north and um, don't ask me how that happened but, but yeah <laughs> it just happened. How are you finding the north? Uh, very good I think no offence to London I think people are a little bit more laid back and not as stressed maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a difference between the north and the south but I guess for all of our guests something which is really important and something we want to kickstart off with is this podcast is about people's lived experiences and we really want to get down to it and kind of understand dietitians from different backgrounds their lived experiences of what it's been like at dietetics for them um so would you be able to tell us a little bit about your lived experience in dietetics being from a different background some of the challenges how you've maybe dealt with some of it and the impact that's had but also some of the benefits as well okay so it well, if I'm looking at being a dietitian, I think there's there's obviously going to be challenges when you come from a different background. You you kind of trying to get used to the area that you are in and uh, going on to like the benefits, obviously, being the fact that I'm speaking two languages. I had opportunities um, trying to obviously speak another language, first of all, uh, companies that were very keen to employ me because I was speaking different languages and I was able to help Polish speaking um, clients and that was that was a very very good highlight in my career. Um, challenges mm. obviously I would say some of it is probably maybe people look different at me and maybe just the accent and some people probably don't you know it's the accent I find that such a shame because you're evidently such a good speaker. But what do you think your worries are regarding your accent in particular? Being in the back of back of the mind, thinking if I didn't get the job, did I not get the job because somebody does not want somebody from Poland? Um, mm. Stuff like that. And yeah. I, I suppose it's it's just difficult because I haven't I haven't actually experienced that. Somebody is telling me uh, that. So it's always in the back of my mind where people. Uh, from my background tell me oh is it because of your English is it because of your accent um, and I think a lot of people would probably would probably have that in the back of back of their mind but I, I look at the positives as well I've experienced more of a outside of dietetics probably I experienced more of that when people said to me I do not understand you uh, and I 
didn't particularly think I was speaking a very difficult um, accent yeah. or, you know. It must be really frustrating. It, it can be very frustrating, but to be fair, I've not experienced that unwitnessed bias where, you know, I'm probably thinking it and a lot of people are probably thinking it, but I've not experienced that somebody tell me that, oh, you're from Poland and I wouldn't want you to be working as a dietitian because you're from Poland. So I've not experienced that. It was from before I was a dietitian, probably more than anything else. And like you said, it's, you know, it's probably going to be an unconscious bias and not going to really say it to your face that, you know, you're Polish, uh, therefore we think differently of you. Um, And, you know, this is something to be addressed, isn't it? And, you know, the fact that you are thinking about it, that, you know, is there a slight chance that, you know, is there some sort of bias going on during the interview process? Because you're not there, you're not in their minds. You you kind of have that second guess, don't you, sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, and the fact that it's there is something that, you know, something that we need to bring forward, be aware of and to be addressed, really. And I, yeah, and I think this is something a lot of kind of diverse dietitians talk about. Not just dietitians, actually, I think AHPs and, F, and even within the medical world is this unconscious bias that interview panelling. I think I think it's quite well known. I don't think I'm saying a secret that people like to hire people who sound like them and look like them. Yeah. I don't think I'm putting this into words properly. I, I suppose <laughs> also when when they see a name on an application they probably think oh where is she from would I be able to pronounce her name and uh, when I came to this country I actually started saying that my name was Justina and Mm. I suppose because it sounded more English but I've met people and they said to me you should be proud of your name you should say it how it how it's pronounced and that's always stuck with me and people always make sure that they pronounce my name. You know, my patients always say, oh, how do I pronounce your name? And we always refer it to like, oh, it's Houston Station. And it always gives them a <laughs> bit of a laugh, <laughs> which which is a good, like, you know, breaks the ice a little bit. Um, but I, I think that, you know, being in from a diverse culture and, um, should be a good thing because I'm able to help not only an English person but obviously a Polish person where they probably understand that I'm I'm Polish speaking. Yeah I completely agree with you and I think an extra level of rapport can be potentially made. Just for our listeners out there what do you think the benefits are other benefits are of you being Polish speaking? And It, it cheers them up and they feel like they can open up to me a little bit more I found. Oh, I was just thinking, um, you know, in terms of examples where, you know, maybe uh, the way you communicate with them would be a little bit different, for example. How, how has that been a bit more effective than maybe what we were taught at uni, I suppose, that sort of softer approach, perhaps? A Polish dietitian that might think differently, but I think you just have to be straight up with Polish people and, um, and just <laughs> don't beat by the bush. Just tell them how it is. Tell them why you're here and what you're trying to achieve and I think they understand honesty I think you don't want to be too gentle because I think they're just going to brush over you (laughs) you're just going to be honest just going to be like you know I'm here to help you you want you have to lose weight you know because you're diabetic and it's not helping you because of x y and z or for any other reason um I think it it helps to be a bit more direct not telling Mm -hmm. them around you know, subject, just be really direct. And I think they'll get shocked to the system, but that's a good thing because I think they want to hear it. And 
a lot of Polish dietitian might disagree with me, but <laughs> I think they would probably say, yeah, I would do the same thing. Really interesting. I think that's not something we talk about much when we're learning in our course about different methods of communication for different cultures. I don't even think that's something which is really touched upon. I'm also just really impressed with the way you were, you know, talking before about how you use your name as an icebreaker because I completely get that as well. So I've um, been called. I think that's a really lovely way of yeah. kind of breaking the ice and getting people to get your name right, which is so important because it's so integral into who you are as a person yeah. and your culture. And it should be something we get right. Yeah. And it shouldn't be putting people off of, you know, I know you're mentioning like interviews and things like that, but it shouldn't be putting people off of that. And I think it is. I think although the application process is blinded, but you know, I think in other jobs, I think I think it is. But and we know, you know, we know that there have been studies shown where there's been two different types of CVs, one with a, one with a, a white name, and the white name gets the interviews and the ethnic name doesn't. So mm. that's a really nice way of breaking down the barriers. It, it is really, it is really interesting you bring that up. Um, uh, one of my friends said that he had a friend that had to change his name from African name to English sounding name <laughs> to get the job, and it was actually almost mind blowing that people have to go to that extent to change their culture, to change their name, just to appeal in an interview. But actually we have more to give than mm. you know trying to change the name and appeal to the same demographic yeah. I think you know I, I suppose a, um you know a Polish person would would see my name and think oh yeah she's Polish and they would just get very excited because they will have somebody yeah. to speak mm. to I've from experience yeah. not just dietetics I've come across people that have been in this country for many many years and they weren't even able to speak their language and when they come across me speaking their language um that was about 16 mm. years ago they actually almost get a very good feeling they feel comfortable and feel they can talk to somebody and you build a rapport with a patient much mm. faster i think it's you get that instant rapport don't you? you we have to turn it into mm. a benefit and positive thing really Definitely. I mean, definitely really useful points there. Um, I think, um, I guess for our audience, um, something to take away, I suppose, for people who are, I guess, from non-diverse backgrounds, is there something you'd like them to know um, from your perspective as, as a dietitian that could have made things easier or, um, I don't know, as an improvement to your lived experiences as a dietitian? I think sometimes just being direct and not being afraid to speak your mind. I think people get worried that I might, that you offend somebody. But sometimes it's like, you know, people picked up on the way I pronounce certain things. And I do appreciate that. Don't be afraid to tell me that, you know, um, I sometimes don't pronounce the, um, the way that I probably should. Uh, and I want to mm. hear, I want to, you know... I like when people are being done. Some of the Polish dietitians would probably say the same thing. They would rather hear it. They'd rather if if you be direct and not think you're trying to offend something. Um, just be direct and just help me improve because I'm 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 here to <laughs> I want to improve as well, not just as a dietitian or as a person because I've lived here 16 years, but I, I don't know everything. Uh, you know, just because mm. I lived here 16 years. 
No, and I think um, not even, you know, someone coming in from a different country. I feel like English people also have, you know, their own mistakes that people can be pointing out as well. You know, it doesn't even have to be a, a cultural kind of difference there. But I think that's a good point, you know, because I think there's always this kind of feeling at the back of your mind kind of saying, oh, no, if I point this out, does it mean, you know, yeah. I'm nicest? Like I'm, yeah. you know, offending them, as you said. And, and quite clearly, you know, as you've said that, you know, I quite like to learn, isn't it? Um, if, if something isn't, you know, correct or something that can be improved on, you'd rather they just kind of tell you, be honest. Yeah, and I, and I suppose it, it would be helpful, in, you know, in a different trust that the diverse cultures, dietitians could present something about their culture to educate more people to kind of be confident. To de- um, For me as well, if I come across, when I used to... Um, work in London I used to come across so many different cultures and they tell me about the food they were eating and I couldn't understand oh what is that I would like to know so it'd be nice if Mm. you know diverse dietitian could educate in their trust even educate different Mm. trust or this could be really really useful if you know this or um, you know what kind of food they eat what kind of risks you can come across with these people uh, of different backgrounds and different cultures that that would probably help Mm. and I think that is kind of very nicely bringing on to our next point I mean I think you've hit the nail on the head that's kind of part of the reason why we started off this podcast we had just noticed that guest dietitians were not being skilled in different food groups as well from across the world I think both Sungha and I recall a time in university where we did a cooking class and it was looking at Indian food. Mm-hmm. But for example, the difference of North Indian food and South Indian food is very different, but things like that never got touched on. No. And I really think, in my opinion, for me personally, it's a real gap in my knowledge. I think we tend to group loads of countries together, like African food or South Asian food. And actually, it's the food in each individual country is very different mm. within a country. And I think that's what we want to touch on a little bit more now as well. And and thanks so much for sharing your kind of lived experience already. But we would love to like know a little bit more about, I know you've touched already on about a little bit about Polish culture and the best way to kind of maybe speak to some of some patients from a Polish background. Mm-hmm. But we want to know a little bit more about Polish culture generally. I mean, do you guys eat together, things like that? Um, and also a little bit about your food as well. Yeah, so I, I would say, obviously, I've been in UK about 16 years and how it was before. Um, I think it's it's changed since, I suppose, and some Polish dietitian might disagree with me, um, when we joined the EU and um, things started mm. to change and more convenience, more supermarket. Where back in the days where when I was, um, you know, a teenager, everything was cooked from fresh everything was cooked mm. from scratch there was no I've never it's it's when I came to UK I've actually found out what a ready meal was or takeaway there was nothing like that in, in Poland but it's coming across now and um, more where there's more convenience food so people are like oh prefer not to cook from scratch they become more busy there's more jobs and I suppose but the, the sort of a typical uh, Polish culture um like if type of foods so there's there's a lot of different variety I think I, I don't know what 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 I should actually tell you which so traditional foods are generally what it is 
they do like to have they do eat as a family i when i do see my family in poland we do eat on a table we eat as a family we don't sit in separate rooms we do generally sit and talk sit at the table but again in every poland is really big and i can understand in every different um area there's probably a different ways of doing things but um we do eat together we cook together um and well back in the days i suppose it's probably a little bit different now um but um i suppose what i don't actually it's funny how it is but i don't actually eat much of the polish food uh, these days because i found polish food is not particularly very healthy <laughs> it's, it's quite overcooked so there is things like um when they cook cabbage it's it's quite overcooked um but they're very half hearty they're very like warming dishes um there's loads of pickled foods as well um that um you know it, when when i go to a polish shop i just get <laughs> amazed how when you go to the supermarket there's not that many pickled food when you go to the polish shop oh my god the amount of um um pickled food is there gherkins um like peppers um you know there's there's loads of different i mean we don't have like pickled onions because that was just a bit odd thing when i came to uk <laughs> and that was very mind-boggling pick an onion <laughs> what's going on there <laughs> but yeah we've got most of the food are like pickled um so there's loads of fried food as well um and i think what what happened is obviously with the culture how it's changed now um it's becoming more convenient so they're doing a lot of ready prepared like pierogi bigos which is like pierogi is basically like a um it's almost like a dumpling but it has a filling inside it it's either potatoes or cabbage so they're very very starchy they're very carby mm -hmm. um they're very heavy but they do do like their salads and things like that so um with different with different sort of foods as well um, yeah so i don't know in in a greater detail how you, you would like me to sort of describe but the now all of the kind of like a ready um prepared foods are in, in the polish traditional foods it's like when i look at it i just think wow oh my god <laughs> i don't have to cook anymore and, and that's a sad thing because mm. it goes back to how polish people were like cooking everything from fresh that that was the name of the game and it's becoming more more convenience more ready prepared and oh i don't have to make this sauce because it's all in a jar and it, it's actually quite upsetting when i go to poland now what kind of things would your mum or dad or whoever was in the household or parent cook you um because i know you've mentioned some of those dumplings but like what are the dumplings made from i know you mentioned potato but like the dumplings so, yeah and things what would be a typical meal so there's a lot of dumplings there are loads of stuff with flour so for example um my nan used to make loads of soups so they would be like a pea soup but it's mm. almost a very hearty it's uh, there is a pea soup that you'd have potatoes and pasta in it so loads of carbs um I'm, I'm surprised i'm still slim after eating all that food <laughs> but but it is all very hearty we always used to have a soup as a starter and we would have a main meal where you where you would have potatoes and and bread would be something that would be kind of like i would say staple 
Um, so mm. when I came to, to this country, I almost eat rice and pasta every day because I don't eat as many potatoes, I suppose, because I've had so much potatoes when I was in Poland uh, uh, as a child. It, it's almost like, oh, God, potatoes. I can't look at them anymore. Um, uh, but, yeah, it's <laughs> the potatoes. We always had a bit of meat. Obviously, I'm vegetarian now, but back in the days, I used to eat meat. And Polish people do love their pork. There's loads of sausages, mm. there's ham. Uh, pork is like one of the food that actually, one of the meats that actually is quite, quite major. So when my family um, even done like, um, in the summers they used to do little fires, fires outside. They used to uh, like um, bake, uh, you know, um, sausages over the fire. So that's like a natural thing for them to do. And we used to have like potatoes yet again in in the fire inside the fire so they actually baked so that always yeah. brings me oh, home wow. when i think about the baked potatoes in the fire um they actually my family mm. still do that because it just brings us together when we have the fires in the summers um so mm. it, you know you just go into a front garden and light a fire and you you have and it's loads of vegetables as well um but generally vegetables are, they do have loads of um, mixtures of like potato salad, which is a very, very common one. Mm. And again, staple potato, but there's loads of, there's almost, almost gherkins in there, carrots, peas. So it's like a mixture of different vegetables and pickles as well. Mm. What about herbs mm. and spices? Herbs and spices, I would say it's, kind of like more like a bland food like when i came to uk the spices were like whoa what's this because it's generally but they, use, they do use a lot of pepper and salt um and maybe some herbs but don't i wouldn't say when i was a child that that was ever used they they probably just use more cultured food now because like for example my sister she lives in a third biggest city and they have chinese they have Indian and mm. they probably getting used to all the various different spices. So their different cultures are coming in. But back in the days, 16 years ago, I would say uh, there was nothing like that. So it was more, I would say it's more bland because I like my spicy food now mm. uh, being in this country. Um, so it's like a, a nice change. But generally, loads of salt and loads of pepper, more like a, um, proper seasoning. But it wasn't like use loads of different spices I suppose. And I guess we kind of have to take that into account do we that that people coming into you know country you can't expect them or you know assume that they're going to be eating traditional Polish food all the time um, and it's definitely going to be already westernized you know introduced a bit of Chinese food um, you know perhaps what you know we're going to get in Britain yeah. pretty much. Um, so, but it's good to know the roots, isn't it? I mean, it sounds like, you know, there's been some big changes in terms of mm. the preparations. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, when and, I, know, when I come um, go and see my family, obviously not during lockdown, but um, it's you see a lot more overweight on obese Polish people, where for me is mind boggling. It's not a common, it wasn't a common thing 16 years ago, but now it's almost, oh, yeah, it's almost part of being an adult. Um, and now all going on diets is a popular thing um, where I suppose in here we're going the other way where we're trying to cook from scratch. And I from 
from how I was raised, I always cook from scratch. And what what I always remember, my nan, my nan maximized the leftovers. <laughs> into, so she, for example, she would make potatoes into a dumplings with a bit of potato flour. So the potatoes, the mashed potatoes, um, any kind of potatoes was never wasted. We would prepare for the next food the next day. So. I took that from childhood and I always, oh, what can I do to mix that food into another food so it won't get wasted? Um, I suppose I've discovered here people do kind of, oh, yeah, this this is off. I can't have it the next day and they throw it away. But for me, how I was raised, the leftovers, we always maximise the leftovers, um, mm. it's, which is a bit of a weird thing, but that's always brought me back to childhood where I cook from fresh, cook from scratch. Um, and I do always have pickled gherkins because that's like always take me back to childhood. Mm. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, and I guess just kind of going on the point then, I, I don't know if there's any particular celebrations or kind of days in the year where we might want to take note of as well that might be a Polish tradition um, similar to, I guess, Christmas here or Diwali things sort of celebrations um, that you might want to I think suppose of mm. christmas is a very interesting one because a lot of people mm. would say to me oh so you celebrate um with your family at christmas day we don't we celebrate christmas eve um mm. christmas eve is very traditional like oh it's 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 you have to almost starve through the day because you know you're going to have loads of food in in the evening so it's it's more based on obviously um roman catholic as as anything um where you have 12 different dishes and you have to try different dishes um because it brings you luck i don't know if that's ever really true yeah. but these always little little traditions and it's always christmas eve so you had the new other christmas eve day funny enough there's no meat we we would have carbs so we would have fish as our <laughs> main sort of um protein um mm. and you have some of the um family does um bake cakes but you would usually have it on a christmas day because like obviously celebrating christmas day but christmas eve is the one that you unpack presents on a christmas eve you've got the really big celebration um family brings together christmas day is not as as big as it is in here i suppose the christmas eve is the one that people go into a midnight mass so they would have the food open the presents go to a midnight mass and you would have like um a christmas um day breakfast from the leftovers from the night before i suppose um mm -hmm. so the christmas day isn't like a big as it is it's just christmas day uh but it's um you know the christmas eve that is quite and easter is the one that is actually quite big in poland mm. so it is it always takes me back when i think about um um easter monday easter monday have this really weird tradition and when i say that to people in here they're like really so in it this <laughs> It's a bit of a weird one because you basically have to splash everybody with water. I don't know where it's come from, um, but it's called Schminkelfingus. So you basically, Ooh. again, it could be a religious thing again. Uh, I'm sure it is. Um, and you basically spray water on everybody because this is supposed to be a luck. And you do decorate eggs. So you, um, you decorate eggs into different colours and you have... 
um, again, it's a religious thing, and obviously, probably ninety percent is Roman Catholic, and they do celebrate. Mm. So you do go go to church, and you will decorate your little basket with different. And obviously, they they have to have sausages in there, and they have to have eggs in there, all the good protein in there. But that's how I remember Easter to be as well. I could talk about it all day, but I think we're on the time schedule. <laughs> so, but it is, it is always brings me back. It actually brought a little bit of a memory there, which is which is um, nice to talk about. It's so interesting for somebody to ask about my culture. It's, it's quite refreshing. And I should go beyond food as well, because I think part of the education is about culture. Could really help us mm-hmm. to empathise as well with our patients and. Uh, you know, even just our colleagues as well, like even just knowing that, oh, you celebrate Christmas Eve, we might ask you about Christmas Eve instead of the Christmas day, you know. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like that um, would, be, would be quite easy for us. So, oh, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think I think it's important to know um, what different culture, what celebrations, and to be mindful of it. And it, it is really important. Mm. I'll tell you a funny fact, I think probably just happens in my household, but I was told you open presents on Boxing Day because it's got the box word in it. <laughs> and I spent the last like 20 years of my life opening my presents on Boxing Day. Oh, wow. Um, and, um, but yeah, no, it's just a sad childhood story for me. <laughs> oh, no, but it's, it's nice to be sharing these things because I think, um, you know, sometimes it's like you you brought it back to what, and my colleagues at work should know just ask me i mean sometimes it is interesting to know what what how you were raised as well because a lot of things that you do in a childhood and raised in a different culture it always you always take something to adulthood maybe i don't cook polish food every day maybe i do it as certain occasions but certainly the easter and the christmas eve um, are the two that I always kind of bring a bit of tear to my eye and it associates to me with these big celebrations um, and associated with the food. So it's really good to know um, what people can bring, um, you know, their celebration. So it's it's good that you'll kind of ask me as well. You know, Do you think I could it. squeeze in one extra question? I just... Fire away. <laughs> I would just would love to hear about just very quickly about if we get a patient who is Polish maybe anything any kind of advice you would give us for kind of weight management or nutrition support Mm. fortification I suppose in terms of um food fortification I suppose Polish people do like their cheese um so I suppose it, it wouldn't be such a difficult thing just um I would say they do like their cheese and and mm. I suppose uh, my mum always used to like cream so if you're trying to fortify things with cheese and cream you're good to go and mm. uh, not a problem uh, <laughs> definitely in terms of um and also what what um they Polish people do like that not all Polish people obviously I'm trying not to put all the Polish people in one box but um we do love that we do a lot of our pastries so they you've got different kind of pastry when I came to UK I was like oh they don't have that so you've got um you've got a pastry with the white cheese on it like a sweet white cheese so that always takes me back to childhood and obviously knowing different type of pastry but I could talk about it all day so um um 
so yes things like that and and it would be good to have like a leaflet related to food fortification and nutrition support for Polish people because to be fair I don't think Polish people are very keen to have nutritional supplements I think you would want to fire away and give them advice on their food if you lose if they're losing weight for any reason I would definitely fire away with giving them food advice rather than giving them um, nutritional supplements um, mm -hmm. in terms of weight management I suppose being a little bit more direct and explaining to them the rationale why they need to be losing weight i think um kind of trying to aim not just just talk about food in itself but just behavior change and giving them a really good rationale why you know because i i think sometimes um they want to hear it oh I'm, I'm diabetic, I'm at risk of becoming diabetic because of my weight, what can that happen, what sort of risks um, might come from, um, you know, being inactive or uh, eating so much food or what have you. Um, I suppose it's a lot of these, um, you know, when you're thinking about, if they're still following the culture, but some of them, if they do eat more ready meals, and I think that's what's happening with, sort of a weight management in that respect I could talk about it all day but anyway um so I suppose it's trying to appeal to if they're cooking from fresh and scratch rather than eating the ready meals because I would say that's probably 16 years ago where it was where people were cooking from scratch but now mm -hmm. the availability in my small town there's like so many supermarkets not enough people for the supermarket I was brought up in a very small town where we just had two supermarkets but they weren't like the supermarkets now you had fresh um fruits and fresh produce and now it's all packaged and so in a way the culture has developed into that convenience so that's what i would say probably in terms of weight management i would probably aim at but again everybody's individual yeah you've hit the nail on the head if you've got a polished weight management patient you do give me a buzz and we'll get through it <laughs> Oh, that's me. <laughs> that's me. Nutrition support, I think, shouldn't be too much of a problem. Definitely. Yasina, leave us your details. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Personal work mobile. On how to manage these things. But even just knowing things like cheese and cream, you know, I, I know we're trying to generalise, but just knowing that that's part of your diet and that's something which might be easy to go, maybe supplements and aren't even, the best. They, they do fry a lot of food. So I do remember oh. a lot of food was um we didn't have microwaves so you used to fry food to heat it up mm. so adding an extra little bit oil here and there would probably not going to be a problem so i think f food fortification I, I would say you'd probably want to aim to give them advice on food um mm -hmm. and even asking them likes and dislikes because some of them just maybe like maybe they like crisps um, i don't think it would be very different to um to English, I would say, with the advice. I know you'd probably need to advise specific ones, but it would be good to develop like a um, polished food ideas. So, but even that pastry you were talking about with the cheese, like I didn't know that. So, you know, that's really so you, you would call that. it, um, how do you call it? I'm trying to think. So, Bulka um, Serem, for example, that's basically a roll with the cheese, but it's like a sweet pastry. Uh, my sister used to like it. Well, I'm sure she still likes it, but um, that's quite a lot of calories. So even snacking on stuff like that. Yeah, that's great. Nice. 
It's like sweet and savory. Sorry? Oh, no, I was just going to say it's like a sweet and savory yeah. thing, isn't it? Which is quite a it nice is, combination yeah. sometimes. I'm yeah, going to keep an eye out maybe, maybe when I see you next, um, I will give you like a little bit of an introduction, get some, you know, like a cheesecake, polished cheesecake as well, made from polished white cheese. So it's like a, um, yeah, look for it in a supermarket. You can make it into a cheesecake. It's very creamy and very rich. So I don't think you have a problem with them having loads Ooh. of cakes as well. Um, not a problem. Mm. Amazing. Love Very a nice. good homemade cake, really. <laughs> Still do. <laughs> There's nothing like homemade cake as well. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that was really insightful. Thanks. Oh, thank you very much. I think um, I think um, I will probably <laughs> say goodbye. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we've been learning a very useful point. Don't think we've quite um figured out how to say goodbye just yet, but um, I think definitely up and you know we'll be in touch as well um hopefully in the future we need your help is there any social media that someone can follow you on um, yeah i suppose i don't really have um i've got linkedin um that you can find me on linkedin okay. um which is more kind of that i i use the social media i don't i have to say don't it, it, it's probably something that i need to develop into diverse um, dietitian and this, this even um, kind of learning from this podcast I need to be a bit more vocal about my culture and it's nice to talk about definitely. my culture so definitely I need to develop an Instagram with um, mm. you know stuff like that so this is this has given me a mm. bit of an idea on, on things but yeah LinkedIn is somewhere mm. where people can um, so it's just Houston Apelka uh, J-U-S-T-Y-N-A-P-E-L-K-A anybody can find me I don't think there's that many of my name um, on LinkedIn. <laughs> kind of send me questions, and um, and I'm happy to answer any questions. Great. Well, we'll have to have you back, and we'll be holding you to your Instagram because to me that sounds like a fantastic I'm work idea. On it now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. No, thanks so much for coming. You guys. Yeah, it's mm. been great catching up and hearing your experiences. So thanks again for your honesty you. and letting us learn a little bit about your culture as well. Thank you very much. Affected by any of the issues heard on this podcast today or want to be a better ally or support, search Diverse Dietitian Support Group UK on Facebook and look out for further social media from us. Stay healthy, friends. Thank you.